4: Across America is live here on VEASAN and com. Thank you so much for spending part of your Saturday afternoon slash morning with us, depending on where you are. It's morning here in Las Vegas at the South Point Sportsbook, where I am located. Adam Candy coming to you live and it is truly betting across America here today. Generally on the weekends, we bring you betting across the Intermountain West uh, with me and James Salinas from Denver, Colorado. But it is Josh Applebaum live from Boston, Massachusetts. Josh, set the scene for us. How are things in Boston today? Oh, things are great here, Adam. It's a pretty
5: nice day. It's been. What the weird thing about New England is, is we have a ton of rain this year. We broke the record for rain in July. It seemed like every single day it just rained cats and dogs. And they, I think it was like 15 inches, the most rain in like a hundred years. So luckily, things are getting a little bit better. It's not as hot as Vegas. Uh, I do miss Vegas. I was there uh, about two weeks ago. But it's a nice day. It's sunny. We got day baseball. We got a little bit of MMA, which I joke around. I call it biting, Adam, because uh, anytime the announcer says the different uh, the different fighters there, uh, it sounds like. Instead of fighting, it's kind of an inside joke, but uh big biting card today. I'm excited to talk to Reed Kuhn because Reed uh, is a great, great resource here for betting on the UFC. So pick his brain for some of these bouts. I got some, uh, some, some plays here. I want to share with you big baseball day. We can talk about a lot of futures. So it's great to be with you, Adam and uh, good day in Boston. How's it looking in Vegas?
4: Well, it's great to have you, here, Josh. Uh, this has been a fun little morning. Uh, it is warm again. We've actually had the rain here. It has been coming down here. I try to explain to my dog. The thunderstorms are no big deal, but we've had him for like two straight weeks now. He doesn't seem to believe me. Uh, We've got plenty to keep us occupied if we have to stay indoors with the rain because sports on TV everywhere uh, throughout this Saturday here on the last day of July. You mentioned that Reed Kuhn will join us. nomics on the twitter he will be here in just about 40 minutes to talk about one of the largest ufc plays that he's given out uh, josh as a smart sports better i know when it's time for me to shut up and listen I'll be doing a lot of shutting up and listening as you and Reed uh, talk about UFC, and I hope to learn something during that segment. We, of course, have the Olympics to catch up on. Team USA victorious in the early morning over in Tokyo as they see their odds uh, get a little bit shorter on the uh, on the gold medal futures market and Olympic golf coming up as well. Plenty to keep us occupied, uh, Josh. Let's start with the Olympic basketball that some folks might still be uh, waking up to here on the West Coast as Kevin Durant goes for 23 Jason Tatum goes for 27 those 50 points helped the USA to pull away from the Czech Republic in the second half one nineteen eighty-four. 1984 game goes over the total USA covers as well uh, Josh were you impressed with the USA performance today. I
5: was impressed, and I think we were waiting. You know, uh, you know me, Adam. I'm in Boston. I'm a big Jason Tatum fan, big Celtics fan. I think Tatum making this leap is something that you were waiting for because with Team USA, the crazy thing from a betting perspective is that they actually opened minus a thousand here to win the gold medal. Uh, and typically, we say, "Hey, it's Team USA." We think about the '92 Dream Team. Uh, really, what's changed though is you know basketball has become an international sport. You know, when you're watching like the Last Dance, uh, the Michael Jordan documentary, you see what uh, it wasn't just you know in, in Chicago, in the USA. Uh, it was a Across the world, that uh, that really basketball, the sport grew because of Michael Jordan. There were uh, signs where they, I think, they had their training camp in Greece or Italy, and you know the the number of fans there that were going nuts uh, really just showed you that basketball is a sport that's grown. So we're a generation into that, uh, and I think it isn't as easy as it used to be for Team USA just because all these other countries across the world are playing basketball, are developing these prospects, grew up watching Michael Jordan, but still Team USA was minus a thousand to win the to win the uh, the gold. They fell because of three consecutive or three losses early on. You know, losing to Nigeria, losing to Australia, losing to France. That minus 1,000 got all the way down to around minus 215, minus 230. I think now is the time to buy low on Team USA. Just from a uh, value perspective, you got a team that was minus 1,000 at one point. Now you're only minus 275. The whole point is, hey, they're losing, so I don't really want to touch them. Maybe one of these other teams will win. But I think this is a good buy opportunity. I think they flipped a switch here, uh, Adam. You know, winning against uh, a big win there against Iran. They covered that number as like minus 40. Uh, They win again today. I think those losses may have benefited them, brought them back down to earth, uh, made them say, hey, we can't just roll the balls out and expect to beat everybody. We got to play together. We got to know each other. You get reinforcements with Booker, Middleton, Holiday, who were late to arrive because they were in the finals. Uh, I think now is the time to grab Team USA. I like that. They lost early. Now I think they're on the rise here, minus 275. I think this number gets higher.
4: Could be the time to jump on him now. Veezen's betting across America is live here from Las Vegas and Boston. Adam Kennedy and Josh Applebaum as we get through Olympic basketball talk and move on to Major League Baseball. A number of games that uh, will get going in a little bit here on Saturday, not starting uh, quite as early as we do on some Saturday mornings. Josh, the trade deadline left us with rosters that we need to update ourselves with, right? We need to see who ended up where, who's still in this, who's really going for it. Uh, Let's start with a general question overall here with one of the wildest Major League Baseball trading deadlines that we have seen in many years, especially because there is no waiver deadline this year. Everything had to be done here by July 30th this time around. So you can't be making trades into August. Josh, who do you think helped themselves most, Who do you think uh, deserves the moves that you've seen in terms of futures? Are there any futures that you think should have adjusted based on moves that we saw?
5: Yeah, Adam, a lot of fallout here yesterday. And I think if you were on Twitter or just, you know, tracking this from, you know, I would say two o'clock to four o'clock up into the deadline, what a crazy Twitter day it was with all these moves coming down. Uh, And I think, you know, on the one hand, you know, I go back to the NBA draft the day before where, you know, Woj kind of ruined the whole draft by tweeting out all these, uh, these players where they're going to go meet force the betting markets to move and and kind of take their numbers off the board. Luckily, you didn't have to worry about that. Uh, You know, someone kind of, uh, kind of, kind of ruining it. It was just, you know, it, it happened naturally, which was awesome to see as a baseball fan, but tons of moves. Uh, I wrote about uh, a full breakdown in the visa newsletter today. Sign up visa.com slash newsletter. It's free. You'll get it to your inbox every morning, but the biggest winner or among the biggest winners uh, was the Dodgers. The Dodgers are a team trying to defend their title. Uh, they're still minus 200 to win their division right now, even though uh, they're what, a game back or a game and a half back or two get two back, maybe from the G men. But the Dodgers getting Max Scherzer. Uh, Adam, imagine going into a playoff series where you can roll out, you know, Walker Bueller, or Scherzer. You're gonna, probably going to get Kershaw back. We don't know. And Urias has had a good year, the young lefty. Uh, they lose Dylan May. You know, you don't know if you're going to get Bauer back. But getting Scherzer, adding him to this lineup and this rotation, to me, only solidifies their World Series chances. They move from plus 375 to plus 325. They're going to get Mookie Betts back. They're gonna get, they just got Seager back. Cody Bellinger's back. He hasn't played a lot, so the first winner was definitely the Dodgers with that great move by their uh, their GM. There, um, you know, so first the Dodgers, but then also the Giants. Uh, you know, Adam, you had mentioned before we don't have uh, Chris Bryant in the lineup today, but the Giants also improved, going from plus fourteen hundred to plus twelve hundred. They made a good move there, getting Chris Bryant. To me, the Giants are one of the best surprises in baseball. They've been awesome to bet on uh, because they, you, don't, you don't expect them to be this good, but I liken them to the Rays a little bit, the Rays of the NL. You can't really name me a lot of their players, but they play a great team game. They have good pitching. They have good managing from Gabe Kapler, uh, so they're right in the thick of it. Uh, the Yankees obviously improved, getting Gallo, Rizzo, Andrew Heaney. They go from 25-1 to 1 to 22-1 to 1 to win the World Series. But, Adam, my favorite team that improved yesterday, uh, maybe not the one that everyone's talking about, but the Chicago White Sox, the Southsiders, they've been having a great year. Tony La Russa coming back here, showing that he really hasn't missed a beat, uh, and getting Craig Kimbrell, I think, was a great move. He wasn't the, you know, the number one name out there, but just going into a playoff series where you have Kimbrel and Liam Hendricks in the back end, imagine they have a three-three-to-one lead in a playoff game. I don't know if you're going to come back from that. You have a great back end of the uh, of the bullpen, and also a quiet move, Cesar Hernandez, a good second baseman, a little bit of pop who they got from uh, the Cleveland Indians there, I think he he will only benefit them. You got Eloy Jimenez back. You may get Luis Robert back. So to me, the winners were uh, the Dodgers, the Giants, a little bit to the Yankees, and then sneaky under the radar,
4: the Chicago White Sox. And we talked a little bit earlier uh, on the pregame show about the White Sox, but I want to dig a little bit more in on the Giants here and the fact that I understand the Dodgers made by far the best move. They gave up the best prospects in order to do it. Uh, Kybert Ruiz and Josiah Gray were going back the other way to Washington with the acquisition of Scherzer and Trey Turner. But for the Giants, Chris Bryant is not quite at MVP level, but he's not far off from the Chris Bryant that we've seen in years past. And he comes into that lineup and lengthens them out. Remember, this team is winning the division right now. The Giants are four up in the loss column on the Dodgers, and we just saw them take three of four from Los Angeles. Now, they had two late comebacks against Kenley Jansen in order to do that. But what the Giants showed you is that they are for real. And I get that the Dodgers are the team that has the most talent. They have the deepest pitching. uh, But the difference between the Dodgers at minus 200 and the Giants at plus 240, who are winning the division by three games, four in the loss, to me, is too big. I still like the Giants at plus 240 with that addition of Chris Bryant. And think about this. If you're going to think about World Series odds, Whoever wins the NL West has an enormous advantage because one of these two teams of the three in this division is going to knock out one of the other before the playoffs even get here. You will not have to go through the Dodgers and the Padres or the Dodgers and the Giants, the Giants, Padres, however you line it up. Uh, it is amazing to me that three of these great teams, one of them will not end up in the real postseason after we play the wild card game. Uh, beyond that, it's it's tough for me to overlook the addition of Javier Baez to the Mets but at the same time The announcement that Jacob deGrom is going to be out until September really tempers my enthusiasm for what it would have been for New York. I love the fact that he adds to the number one defense in baseball. I love the element of speed that gets into the Mets lineup with Javier Baez that they haven't had before. The fact that you put him in at second base along with Francisco Lindor gives you as good a middle infield as anybody has in baseball, but uh, I would love to say I like the Mets move more, but Jacob deGrom really does take a little bit of the shine off that one, considering we don't know when he's going to be able to get back on the bump. All right, Josh, you mentioned the New York Yankees. Let's get a quick overview from you on their moves, because there were a lot of splash to them with Joey Gallo and Anthony Rizzo and uh, Andrew Haney. But uh, I have a feeling you might not be as high on what they've done as some others.
5: Yeah, I'm really not. And just one quick note about the, the Mets. You bring up the Mets, Adam. I think you bring up a great point here. You know, they get Javier Baez, and it's like, ooh, big, big name player. You know, Baez-Lindor up the middle. What a great combo they'll have. You've seen their uh, their GM, Steve Cohen. He admit you got to give the guy credit. He said he spent some money. He's spending some money here. But uh, what was interesting is the Mets' odds didn't improve. They actually got a little bit worse, uh, which is kind of crazy. You say they get Baez. How can they get worse? They had to get better. They were plus 800 to win the World Series. They get Baez. They're down to plus 850. So that's not not that bias makes them worse; he makes them better. But that's the Degrom factor. Thinking, hey, uh, you can have a great lineup here, but if you don't have the pitching, you don't have Degrom, you're going to be up against it here. So uh, the Mets are, you know, a public "quote unquote" winner of the deadline, but not really based on the betting markets. Uh, with the Yankees here, Adam, you bring up a great point. Uh, I do give them credit. I think Cashman made a couple good moves offensively. That lineup was way too right-handed. If you're too predictable, you're trotting out all righties. The opposing manager can just play matchups and go righty righty and make it hard on uh, on your offense to uh, to really get it going here. So it lengthens out their lineup, getting Joey Gallo, getting Anthony Rizzo, uh, and you're looking back to they become kind of the Bronx Bombers here again. Uh, I love their lineup now. You look at it, it's you know Lemayhu, Judge, Stanton, Rizzo, Gallo, Glaber, Torres, or Gio- Shell. I mean, they're looking like the old Yankees with a good offense now, uh, and they can go more lefty instead of just all righty. So I think that benefits their offense, but let's not get carried away. I don't know if they have the pitching here, Adam, you hit the nail on the head. They still have Garrett Cole, you know, tyon has been pretty good, you know, kind of a reclamation project there from the pirates, uh, but they lose Corey Kluber. Um, what are you gonna get from Domingo Harmon? Is Severino going to come back? You know, we, we do know Chapman has been iffy in the bullpen. Uh, so to me, even though the Yankees have improved, 25 to one to 22 to one to win the World Series, it's going to be tough for them to make noise in the AL East right now. The Sox uh, are minus 125, the Rays are plus 130, the Yankees are plus 1000. So I think they're going to maybe cash a lot of overs for you uh, with this crazy good lineup here, the short porch and right. But I don't know if, if if they have enough pitching here to really make that good move. I think they I think they're a pitcher short, even though the lineup looks a lot better right now.
4: Yeah, I, I, Josh, I've been banging this drum since early in the season as a Yankees fan, even when they were favored to win the American League, favored to win the AL East, to say, listen, this is fool's gold with this team. Uh, there are a lot of things that you don't like about them. The defense is not good. They've run into the most outs on the bases in all of Major League Baseball. They do not play a fundamentally sound Brand of baseball and they've not performed well uh, here over the course of the full season. Yes, they've won eight of 12. They might have fooled themselves into going for it a little bit here, but it's wild card at best for them. And so uh, 10 to one on the American League East. I wouldn't want any part of that with the New York Yankees. Uh, Quick note on this division, if you haven't seen the news today, Tyler Glass, now the ace of the Rays who's been out for about a month with damage in his elbow, is likely to have Tommy John surgery and should be out uh, for the bulk of the 2022 season, if not the entire 2022 season. We talked about the injury to DeGrom as well. Josh, Fernando Tatis Jr. re-injures his shoulder last night, and a couple of these injuries could affect the awards markets, especially DeGrom and Tatis. Uh, The National League MVP, DeGrom and Tatis, were your top two favorites. And now we don't know when either guy is going to be back in the lineup. Uh, What do you make of the National League MVP market? We've lost the top three if you include Ronald Acuna Jr. over the last month.
5: Yeah. A lot of these odds are moving here again with all uh, Acuna was having a a great year. He had 24 home runs. He was kind of, he was getting right up there with Otani there at one point for major league leader. And then he gets hurt. Uh, This brings it wide open here. You know, I'm actually looking at BetMGM. GM. It looks like they may have taken down these odds with a lot of these guys getting hurt. Uh, DeGrom to me, you know, uh, I'm, I'm glad, or you're, maybe you're glad if you didn't jump on him MVP. He was having this this monster year, you know, his ERA was below one, uh, and and really he became a big, uh, big favorite, or a, a kind of a, a huge favorite for the Cy Young, but also a big favorite to win the MVP. So uh, if he jumped on DeGrom, you know, with this injury, he may not have enough uh, enough basically starts uh, enough stats here to win it. Also, there's always this bias, Adam. You know this against uh, against pitchers winning the MVP because as good as you are, you're only playing you know a fifth of the games. You're getting your you know you're you're only helping your team one at one every one out of every five days. Whereas a position player has more time, more innings to win this award. So uh, we're gonna have to see how this thing develops. This creates an opening here uh, for obviously uh, some other player to emerge. Uh, so we'll have to see how this thing develops. My one uh, n- note here for. A awards that I would keep an eye out for is the American League Cy Young. We've seen Lance Lynn, Adam, really jump up here. You know, we had Garrett Cole and Carlos Rodon, uh, lefty for the the White Sox there. They were kind of co-favorites to win the American League Cy Young. They've been getting roughed up here a little bit. If you can still find Lance Lynn getting some plus money, plus 110 right now to win the Cy Young at BetMGM. This guy's having a career year. Uh, His ERA, is it like under two? It's like 1.94, something like that. 34-year-old, you think. Uh, you know, he's a, he's a big guy. He's a little bit older and maybe your are the eye test says, can this guy be the Cy Young winner? I think he can plus Plus one ten, getting plus money with Lance Lynn on a great team. That's going to get, he's going to get a lot of run support down the stretch. He's got it now Kimbrell behind him to maybe save more of these wins instead of a no decision. My biggest play for awards right now will be
4: grabbing Lance Lynn to win the Cy Young plus 110. This market has moved quite a bit. Even in the past week, Garrett Cole, Prior to his last start in Tampa Bay, Garrett Cole still had a minus in front of his name, minus uh, 130 to win this award. He's now plus 180 after giving up seven earned runs in Tampa Bay, one of his worst starts of the year. And that's happened to Garrett Cole a couple of times in the last month. His last start before the All-Star break at Fenway Park was roughed up by the Red Sox, gave up three home runs in that one. Uh, His ERA over the past month is well north of four. And so you can see why he has faded a little bit in that race. And as you said, Josh, Rodon and Lynn, they've both been outstanding for the White Sox. Uh, I think that market could even move a little bit more depending on what happens here down the stretch. Uh, Carlos Rodon, Nearly four to one. And again, the numbers, Josh, I agree with you. They suggest that Lance Lynn should probably be the guy. Uh, if Rodone closes anywhere the way that he finishes, keep in mind also that these are humans voting on awards that have narratives. And the comeback of Carlos Rodone uh, from being non tendered. Uh, to what he is now, a guy who's thrown a no-hitter this season, who has been lights out for the Chicago White Sox team. Should be very interesting to see how it plays out. Garrett Cole, I think, is still alive because of the fact that these White Sox pitchers might ultimately split up some of the votes between them, but uh, the New York Yankees are not likely, in my vision, uh, to make the playoffs, and I don't think the Cy Young winner is going to come from a team that ends up outside the postseason field. Josh, uh, you said earlier that the National League Awards, by the way, off the board, that appears to be the case. Uh, we find out yesterday that DeGrom is out till September. Then we have the move uh, with the Padres having to shelve Francis, uh, Fernando Tatis Jr., that is, with the shoulder injury. That has just been a problem for him all year long. Uh, we haven't had a lot of talk about the rookie of the year market um, Dolis Garcia from Texas in the American League is the guy who has the advantage here at the moment. Luis Garcia, great young starter for the Houston Astros at plus 350. Akil Badu, who has been very nice for the uh, Detroit Tigers, is at the top of that board. Trevor Rogers, who was an all-star for the Florida Florida Marlins. I'm old. (laughs) The Miami Marlins, uh, Trevor Rogers, is minus 200 to win the National League Rookie of the Year. Jonathan India, who had a pair of home runs, last night against the New York Mets is plus 280 everybody gets a bit longer after that any any feelings from the uh from the Boston side here on the rookie of the year market Josh <laughs> Yeah, Adam, I'm looking at Adulis
5: Garcia, minus 115 to win AL Rookie of the Year. I think this is a decent number. You're not getting the plus money that you would like here, but I think this is a guy that when all is said and done, his numbers are going to be really, really impressive. Uh, he's a rookie, but he's actually 28 years old. Uh, he left Cuba uh, to come to America here and, and play in the major leagues. And this guy has really put up some great numbers here. A lot of people don't think don't know him or hear of him. He plays for the Texas Rangers. He's a power-hitting outfielder. He's a right fielder. He's a 6'1", 180. Um, and I, what I like about him is he's flying under the radar, but if you look at his stats, they're really impressive. He's hitting 257, 23 home runs, 63 runs batting in, uh, leading uh, rookies here, I believe in both homers and RBIs. And this is a guy that just rakes, and I think if, at the end of the year, if, if this guy is a rookie, Uh, has over 30 home runs, which he's on pace to really go way over. And he's, you know, close to 100 RBIs, 90 RBIs. Like, if he finishes, you know, 260 with 35 homers and, you know, 89 RBIs, I think you're going to have to give him the award. At minus 115, that could be worth a look. And then also, you make a good point here. uh, You know, you do have Trevor Rogers the favorite. Jonathan India, uh, don't overlook him. He's plus 250. He's putting up some pretty good numbers
4: for the Reds. Well, Josh, when we come back, we talked a little bit about the usa what's happening with the arrest of the olympic basketball slate we'll see what the sharp folks out there are thinking about some of these other games as well as futures for the gold medal you are tuned in to betting across america here from veeson and veeson.com Setting Across America from Visa and Visa.com is presented by BetMGM. Thank you for joining us here on Saturday afternoon. It is Adam Candy here live at the South Point and Josh Applebaum in Boston, Massachusetts. Talked earlier a little bit about Olympic basketball and the fact that the USA Least appears to be back on track from what we saw earlier in the tournament. The quality of the competition, not quite as strong, but still getting the job done with a big second half today, scoring 72 points and blowing open a game that was a four point game at halftime. You still have opportunities to bet on Olympic basketball today, though. Uh, you might need to caffeine up if you're going to watch these games later on, Josh. Uh, 1240 a.m. Eastern, 320 a.m. Eastern for Argentina and Japan, Spain and Slovenia. Uh, let's talk about the Spain and Slovenia game because it means we can talk about Luca. Uh, the oh. Spaniards are catching three and a half against Slovenia. Uh, Luca against Argentina, 48 and 11 against Japan, 25, 7 and 7. Didn't play uh, all that much, just 25 minutes in that game. Spain, a team that has a number of current and former NBA players uh, on it. What do you think about Spain and Slovenia?
5: Yeah, this is going to be a great matchup here, uh, Adam. You know, one thing that jumped out to me was Slovenia, aside from Luka Doncic just looking absolutely incredible here, uh, putting uh, putting another team on his back, not just the Mavs, but his home country here. Guy's been unbelievable. You know, we have seen, and thanks to our, our friend John Ewing at BetMGM, he sent us these stats. Slovenia is actually one of the biggest liabilities for the sportsbooks here to win the gold. Slovenia uh, opened plus 2,000. They're down to plus 800. So you know, we talk about USA really dropping minus 1,000 down to, you know, minus 275. Uh, On the flip side, the other big mover in a positive direction has been Slovenia and right now uh, they're getting like about 20% of the tickets, about 25% of the handle. So if you're looking for a team that, you know, to me, the play is still buying low on team USA, but if you're looking for a dog type bet, a big futures bet that maybe you can uh, either hopefully cash or maybe hedge down the road if they make it, you know, deep into the the finals here, um, that could be a look for Slovenia. Uh, I mean, in terms of, in terms of the spread today here, uh, Adam, you know, it's tough for me to bet some of these uh, these games in particular to me, the value is more the futures because a lot of the data is hard to get uh, with these uh, these international matchups in terms of uh, where are the odds makers getting the numbers, how are they getting uh, the money coming in, you have differing, uh, differing lines for different books. Uh, I would lean a little bit, you know, Slovenia, minus three and a half, just in terms of what we've seen from Doncic and being a, a more highly rated team overall in terms of the futures market. Uh, we do have Spain, I think, who's plus a thousand right now, a little bit behind here, Slovenia. Uh, so it could be a layoff for me, but uh, what do you think, Adam? Any, any lean here for you in this game?
4: Uh, Very difficult to go against Luka Doncic at any point uh, when he's basically given free reign to say, go out and be Luka Doncic and do what you do. Uh, Not that I'm going to get necessarily involved with this one, Josh, but talking about that uh, idea of Slovenia in the futures market at eight to one, maybe expound for people a little bit on the idea of you're talking about how if you're going to play a big, uh, a big one like Slovenia there at eight to one about the opportunity to potentially uh, hedge it down the line.
5: Yeah, it's a great point, Adam. I think a lot of people, when they bet futures bet. So what is a futures bet? It's a bet on an outcome of an event that is longer into the future. You're not going to cash it tonight. You're going to have to wait. But uh, oftentimes, you know, uh, you got to have some patience here. you got to have liquidity in your bankroll to be able to uh, withstand a, a bet that you're going to have to wait on a little bit. You don't want to bet too much. Use your whole bankroll and then not have enough day-to-day money to, to for your, for your bankroll to bet on sports day-to-day. So uh, in terms of futures bet, you always want to cash them. Like if you take Slovenia plus 800, you bet 100 bucks, you could get 800 back and the 100 you risk. That would be great, that's your ultimate goal. However, there are situations where you can hedge. So what I mean by that is, what if Slovenia gets to the championship game and they're playing Team USA? Uh, instead of you know just saying, hey, I hope they win the plus 800, you could bet the other way. You could bet on Team USA on the money line. You could you know bet a different uh, futures on their opponent. That's the whole point. You always wanna try to cash your futures, but if you can just get them deep into uh, a Final Four or a championship game, you can bet the other way, hedge, and try to guarantee yourself a profit. You know, Adam, the joke uh, someone told me a long time ago is hedging is for landscapers. Don't hedge, just ride it. You know, be bold. But hey, if you can guarantee yourself a profit, I got no problem with hedging. If you can guarantee money, what's wrong with that?
4: Well, also of the uh, the gift of live betting and what it allows you to do in terms <laughs> of getting off certain positions, uh, depending on how things shape up. Uh, the Super Bowl certainly was a situation where I was looking for that uh, with the investment I had in the in the Chiefs and then trying to just find a little bit of a way out uh, as that game Developed so, uh, Josh, it'll be interesting to watch how this all plays out with the USA now with a couple of big wins in its pocket. When we come back, I I like what uh, Britain has set up for us here. Our producer is basically going to try to see do we know what the market thinks? Do we agree with the market? I don't know, man. I I, I feel like this is going to end up making me look even dumber than normal. But you know what? I'll take that chance. Josh, we know you will be uh, coming out of this smelling I'm like a rose one way or the other. So we are back in a moment here on VEASAN's Betting Across America on the Sports Betting Network. The v College Football Betting Guide is here. Start your football season on the right foot with our expert analysis and picks for conference champions, Heisman, Hopels, and playoff teams, plus power ratings for every team. Now is also a great time to get your all-access VSON subscription, including our college and pro football betting guides, along with everything we offer for the entire football season. Get your college betting guide for only $19.99, or start your free all-access trial today at v slash subscribe. Adam Candy and Josh Applebaum betting across America here from VEASAN and com as we switch gears to football, as we just mentioned, we'll go to the pro side with the NFL. As I mentioned before the break, Josh, um, I think you have a better chance of surviving this segment unscathed <laughs> than I do. But uh, Britain has basically put these groups of three players and said, who do we think will have the most passing yards most rushing yards most receiving yards but we have to try to order them ourselves and then we get to see what the odds look like then we get to see what these props look like so let's start with three veteran quarterbacks Ryan Tannehill Derek Carr and Kirk Cousins who will have the most passing yards one two and three Adam this is gonna be a lot
5: of fun so let's uh let's see how close we come here I'm gonna go number one most passing yards Kirk Cousins uh Cousins uh, threw through for 4,265 yards last year. And really Cousins is a guy that, you know, we kind of harp on him and, and get and criticize him. And you know, he can't win the big games. Remember, he finally won that playoff game against the Saints. He's got a terrible record ATS in primetime games as well. But it's a guy that puts up quite a few numbers. And I think Cousins, the reason why I put him first is his his weaponry. Uh you have Justin Jefferson who had a fantastic rookie year. You still have Adam Thielen. You got a great running game with Dalvin Cook. To me, with all those weapons, a veteran guy, you're another year in the same system. Cousins should be number one. Now, two and three are tough. I like Tannehill because he got Julio Jones, who I think is only going to benefit him overall. You still have the great run game of Derrick Henry. Henry. Uh, Derrick Carr, though. Carr uh, actually was 4,100 yards last year, 3,800 for Tannehill. I'll lean Carr. You still have Gruden. You still have a lot of these wide receivers, these quick guys, Ruggs, and Darren Waller, who I'm really high on. So I'll go Cousins one. Derek Carr two and Tannehill three but uh you tell me Adam Uh, who are you leaning on here
4: I wish I could be more interesting than that but that is my order Cousins Carr and Tannehill Carr versus Tannehill last year Derek Carr ended up with I want to make sure I get this number completely uh, correct here he ended up with 36 more attempts than Ryan Tannehill I think the Titans, especially with a weakened Colts team, are going to be ahead in a lot of games this year. I think they're going to run Derrick Henry a lot again. And I think the Raiders will be trailing enough that Derek Carr will need to throw the ball more, even though it's not what John Gruden wants to do. All right, Britain roll it. What do we got? What we got cousins Tannehill then Carr. Interesting. Ooh. Okay. It's a fairly low number on, uh, on Derek Carr. He beat that number. Last season. All right. I want to make sure we get to, to everything here. We were close, though. We we said it was close between Not the first one. Yeah, we were <laughs> close between Tannehill and Carr. All right. Let's get to the next one. New faces in new places on receiving touchdowns. Marvin Jones, who goes to Jacksonville. Kenny Galladay goes to my New York Giants. And then Julio Jones with Ryan Tannehill in Tennessee.
5: Yeah, so this one is going to be tough here, Adam, because I think Galladay is a complete unknown. When he's healthy, this is a great player who uh, has a, just a great uh, leaping ability, red zone target, big target. I think if he's healthy, he can really, really have a big year. But also, the guy who wasn't healthy at all last year, so it's kind of Jekyll and Hyde, hit or miss. That's a kind of a uh, a very volatile guy to bet overall. Um, I'll go Julio Jones number one. Uh, he is getting long in the tooth here. You know, he's getting a little bit older, but I like the fact that you have AJ Brown one side. Uh, and Julio Jones, the other. You do have Tannehill, a veteran, to get him the ball, and just the fact that you got to respect Derrick Henry, uh, maybe that opens up opportunities for Julio. Uh, and then Marvin Jones, a guy who uh, we had saw had had some great numbers there in Detroit. Now he's going to work with a rookie quarterback here, and I know Trevor Lawrence. You know, it could be a great QB, but uh, I don't really want to bet props on a rookie quarterback. There's obviously a transition here, so I'll go Julio one, Galladay two, Jones three. But uh, I feel like I may get this one completely wrong, Adam.
4: Well. I'm not sure I'll be a whole lot better, uh, but I think it matters who's throwing the ball as well. Uh, Touchdowns are not a prop I generally like to get involved in. They're they're a little too context-dependent unless you know someone is a red zone option. Well, last year, Marvin Jones was top 10 in the league in red zone target share. Now, granted, uh, a lot of that was with Kenny Galladay in that lineup at some points for, uh, for Detroit, but this year... I think Jacksonville will be throwing the ball a lot uh, with Trevor Lawrence. I'm actually going to. I know I'm going to get this wrong, but I'm going to go Jones, Julio Jones, with Tannehill throwing the ball. Then Marvin Jones, then Kenny Galladay, because I do not trust Daniel Jones at all. Britain racket. What do we got? Julio Galladay and Marvin Jones. All right. So none uh, none of us are right uh, per the bookmakers, but. Uh, We gave it a good run. All right. We got one more to get to here. Most rushing yards with some backs who uh, at least like to fancy themselves all-purpose backs, even if they don't necessarily play out that way. Alvin Kamara, Josh Jacobs, and Antonio Gibson, who will have the most rushing yards? I'm going to go Josh Jacobs one. Uh,
5: This is a guy who going into his third year has rushed for over a thousand yards, both, both times here. Uh, And I think, you know, as a guy that third year in the system prime of his career, I would go Jacobs one thinking he can maybe go over a thousand once again here, of course, with the added game, the 17th game Uh, number two, I'm actually going to go Antonio Gibson. Um, You know, this is a guy going into year two. He was kind of limited last year, but still went, went for 795 yards. And again, you know, bringing in Fitzpatrick, you know, bringing in Curtis Samuel, you'll still have Terry McLaurin. Uh, I like uh, Gibson's over under, I, I forget what the number was, but I think he could have a, a good year here. And then Kamara. I think Kamara is the best player of these three, but the beauty of Kamara is he's a, he's a runner and he catches passes out of the backfield. So I think, it, you know, we're just isolating rushing yards here. You know, is this a guy that's going to get 800 rushing yards, but then, you know, close to a thousand receiving yards. I think the fact that he splits up a lot of his work, maybe that uh, will make him a little bit lower here, but I, I like, I'm pretty confident, Jacobs one but you can convince me Adam I could flip the other two.
4: Oh, I was heavily heavily tempted to put Alvin Kamara first here because I think the Saints are going to have to hand him the ball a lot with whichever quarterback uh they decide to go with but like you said Josh it could be receiving uh Josh Jacobs is going to get the attempts. Josh Jacobs had 273 rushing attempts last year, only averaged 3.9 yards per carry. But John Gruden wants to run the ball. John Gruden has been trying to build 2005's best team for the last four years. And so Josh Jacobs is going to keep getting the ball. I'll go Kamara second and Gibson third. Britain, what do we have? Oh, look at that. Gibson first. Jacob second and Kamara under a 1,000 yards. Antonio Gibson. Very, very interesting uh, for Gibson there with uh, an offense that's going to be able to throw the ball a bit more with Ryan Fitzpatrick at the helm. But maybe that'll lead to more late-game attempts for Antonio Gibson if the Washington football team is trying to close out games. All right. We're generally wrong, but that was fun nonetheless. Uh, When we come back, Reed Kuhn, Fightnomics, is going to talk to us about some big UFC plays, and I'm going to learn from him and Josh. Fearlessly on your favorite sports with a risk-free wager up to $600 at BetMGM. Just sign up using bonus code VSIN600. Get in the game with the king of sportsbooks. Download the app or go to BetMGM.com. Use promo code vin 600 to make your first bet risk-free, up to 600 dollars New customer offer, paid and free bets. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Twenty-one years of age or older to wager. Colorado, Indiana, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Nevada, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, Washington, D.C., and West Virginia only excludes Michigan dissociated persons. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem, call one 800 522 4700 in Colorado, Nevada, Virginia, and Washington, D.C. one 800 270 7117 for confidential help in Michigan. one 800 gambler in new jersey pennsylvania and west virginia 1-800 bets off in iowa in tennessee call or text the red line 800-889-9789 in indiana call 1-800-9 with it this promotional offer is not available in nevada all right we've got some really solid information coming up for you here on ufc later tonight reed coon the author of fightnomics at fightnomics on Twitter, you can find his work at ESPN as well. Joins me, Adam Candy and Josh Applebaum here on Betting Across America from Veasan Reed. Welcome in on uh, your Saturday. How are things going, man? It's fight day. It's Saturday. The tri tips are marinating.
6: Fights are ready to start. I'm good. Thanks. <laughs>
4: Oh, uh, we were going to talk about UFC, but now we're going to spend the next 10 minutes on tri-tip because that sounds outstanding, Uh, but all right, maybe not. We'll get to your big plays here. Uh, Talking to our producer, Britton Hess, uh, a little while ago said that you have some of the bigger plays in terms of units uh, that you've had for us here on VEASAN on the card here tonight.
6: Yeah, at least for the last few weeks. Um, The last few weeks have been pretty lean in terms of the number of matchups that I can actually analyze and get comfortable playing. Um, So we only have four matchups this week, but the unit sizes are a little bit bigger than they have been in the past. That doesn't mean I didn't get some nice returns, especially on the dogs recently. Um, But, yeah, the the main event actually looks pretty clear. I've still got some caution to urge on the main event, but it does look like a fairly big bet for us. Uh, Sean Strickland, of course, is taking on Uriah Hall. The matchup sean strickland is lower ranked but he is clearly the favorite he was released um actually the market bet him up a little bit to more than minus 200 so i'm actually backing him here i do have some caution i do think that he is susceptible to a big ko but if that ko doesn't happen especially early i think he runs away with the rounds he is far more aggressive as a striker. This is going to be a striking duel between the two. It's going to be power versus pace. Uriah Hall, obviously a knockout artist. He's got kicks. He's got big punches. He puts people down. But Sean Strickland is very high-paced, very aggressive, very accurate. He kind of just smothers people the way Colby Covington used to do. So um, we're backing Sean Strickland here. I I do urge caution. not going to go too far into it. um, But minus 200, I still see value on the line.
5: Reed, it's great to meet you for the first time. Uh, I've been a big fan of yours for quite a bit. Really enjoy your write, your write-ups and your breakdowns and points for Weekly Magazine. I think you and Lou are really the go-to guys when it comes to UFC at Besan. So uh, keep up the great work. But I wanted to uh, mention first, you know, Strickland, you are you're right, definitely some steam in his favor. Open around minus 180, been bet up to around minus 220. And Reed, you know, I'm not at your depth and, and level of expertise at UFC, but I was joking with Adam that I have a rudimentary model. I look for a line move toward a fighter, a younger fighter, taller fighter, uh, and a fighter with a longer reach. So all those boxes will be checking off there with Strickland. You know, he's only 30 years old. He's an inch taller, Hall's uh, 36. The reach actually Hall's hull, a little bit longer, 79 inches. But I'm with you there in, in the main event. But one fight that you uh, that you put in our rundown here that I'm 100% with you is Ashley Yoder. Uh, Ashley Yoder was a, a fighter that I identified earlier. Um, she's uh, 33. Her opponent's 36. She's 5'6. Her opponent's 5'2. And she's got a much longer reach. 69 inches versus 65, and we have seen Yoder go from, I think she opened around minus 140-ish. She's up to, like, minus 160. So how do you break down that fight, Uh, and do you like Yoder in this matchup?
6: I'm with you on that one. I do like Ashley Yoder, and uh, when I look at the statistics, it backs it up. She is clearly the more crisp striker, Um, and uh, honestly, I think she came from a wrestling base. That was her strength. She would try to drag people down, use top control, ground and pound, win the decision, but lining up these two people, Yoder is much more accurate. Uh, She uses a much higher pace. They have about equivalent defense, but Yoder also has a reach advantage. So I expect her to be winning as long as this is standing. And then on the ground, she is she's a grinder. And although the like per-metric stats don't quite favor her when I look at the stat line, I think Yoder has faced much better competition, and she's also faced very good wrestlers in that division. So I, w- I would still trust her wrestling here, but it's the stand-up that makes it run away. So if you're going to win on the feet and you're at least going to tie or win on the ground, that feels pretty Pretty safe, and honestly, minus 160 isn't too much to pay for that.
5: Reed, I'll keep throwing a bunch more at you. This is great. We don't get an opportunity here to just, just throw them at you and, and let you wind you up and let you go here. So, uh, Kang Hyung Ko uh, is fighting Ronnie Yaha. This is your bantamweight. This is your uh, co-main event here. This line's been all over the place because at one point uh, Kang opened like minus 140. There was a lot of money. It looks like came in on Ronnie Yaha. He got all the way down to like a minus 110 favorite now we are seeing it It looks like it's coming back a little bit to Kyung Ho Kang. He's back to like minus 120. So how do you cap this, uh, this match here? You know, Kang is a little bit younger, 33 He's a little bit taller. He's got a longer reach. So some of the physical advantages go with Kang here, but there was movement toward, uh, toward Ronnie Yaha coming back a bit. Now,
6: who do you like in this bout? Well, I guess technically this is an upset pick, although just barely. I think I like Ronnie Yaha, um, or Yaya. I think is what I used to call him. Um, but the the normal metrics you mentioned in terms of age and reach, uh, those are going to be more important in a standing contest. And this is probably going to be a grappling contest. These are both guys who would probably build themselves as submission specialists. And Hani Yaya is way more experienced on that front. He doesn't have great stand up. Chung-ho Kang probably has the better stand-up, but I just don't expect it to go there very long. Both guys like to initiate takedowns. Yaya is doing it at a much higher rate, probably more than three times the normal rate of takedowns. So he is going to desperately try to drag this down. And when it comes to grappling, honestly, age doesn't work against you quite as much. It's actually more of a, a benefit because you have so much more experience rolling around on the mat, and that's not something that you take damage in, like the way you do in striking and boxing. More fights means more cumulative damage. Submissions are totally different. That's where experience matters, and younger fighters are actually uh, probably at risk because they don't have that high-level experience. So this is... This is going to be a grappling match, I believe, and if it does turn out that way, I think Yaya is the more experienced and better grappler, and that's why I'm leaning that way. I saw that price um, open up pretty early on, uh, you know, minus 160 or plus 160, plus 170 at one point, and yes, he's come way down, and that's too bad. But I, I was still projecting him as a straight-up winner. So if I'm going to get even or plus money, I'm going to back him.
5: Reed, how about another another one here? This is your uh, welterweight, Brian Barberina against Jason Witt. I think you're looking at possible dog opportunity here. We do have a big favorite here for Barberina uh, Barberina opened like minus 260. got up to like minus 275. Come back down a little bit. He's down to, back to minus 250. You're getting Jason Witt, uh, big plus money payout here, like plus 220, something around there. Uh, we have Barbarina, two years younger. He does have some physical advantages, six foot versus 5'8". 72 in entries for 70 uh, but I think you might be leaning dog here with wit. can you, can you, can you tell us uh, your breakdown here for this one?
6: Yeah again uh, this is a the grappling aspect of this is what's making me lean the other way. Um, I would I would agree with you straight up agnostic of odds I would probably lean Barbarinia. he's more experienced he's pretty good on his feet he's got a lot of knockdown power. Um, and, and, those are reasons to, to like him as long as this fight is standing. Uh, the, the metric that I mentioned, mentioned for honey, for Jason Witt is even more extreme. This guy goes for takedowns pretty much every 28 seconds that he's on his feet. Granted, we only have eight minutes of data to study for this guy. Um, not a lot of rounds, only four rounds in the UFC, but because he's had three fights, he qualified. For my threshold so this isn't like a super confident pick we don't have a ton of data on him but we do know that he likes to get on the ground and if he's not getting knocked out in the first round he's probably grinding this and that's why you know yes i lean Barbarinia, but at plus 225 i'll take a flyer that jason witt turns this into a wrestling match hope for the best hope he drags him into deep water um, it is worth noting that these two guys both have some of the worst head strike defense i've seen on paper and probably the worst on this particular event Uh, So that that means they're very hittable. So that's a liability. It could be a Barbarina knockout, or it could be Witt grinding this and maybe getting a submission on the ground.
5: Reed, just in terms of uh, a lot of new people watching v wanting to get in on UFC, it's something that was kind of a niche uh, betting market. Now it's gotten really, really, you know, huge here in recent years. But uh, if someone walks up to you in a bar and they say, Reed, you know, I want to bet UFC. What are some basic things I should know? Any tips that you would give out to new bettors? And then another question here is uh, you do something interesting. You weight your plays, kind of like a Kelly criterion, uh, instead of a flat betting approach. How do you How do you determine how many units to put on each fighter in terms of weighing your confidence level in each
6: fighter? Yeah, I'll answer the second question first because it's simpler. It's, yes, we are using a Kelly criterion. Uh, we're looking at basically what is our predicted value versus what is the current market price taking that delta. And the bigger the delta, the more opportunity there is, the bigger we're going to go. Um, so that's that's where we go with that. And in general, that should be true for any sport. I mean, the the more confident you are that the price is wrong or whatever your price is, go bigger when that delta is bigger. To your other question, um, first of all, there's a lot more information on this sport than people believe even now, even now, eight years after writing the book. Um, there's a lot of data, it's it's there, uh, fighter effectiveness, significant striking, it's all out there. I think in terms of the macro trends, age is a big one. Um, Older fighters beyond 35 don't tend to win as much. And maybe there's a learning curve in the early years and early 20s, but there's certainly a tapering off as people become damaged. And so prior knockdowns, cumulative damage, those things do matter for fighters, especially when they're fighting at a high rank. So people who've been in a while, you need to be careful who they're facing if they're facing much younger people. Um, And that boils down to physiology, uh, fast-twitch muscle. Uh, things like that, and and brain damage, obviously. So um, there's a number of biological reasons to to watch that trend. But in terms of the macro trends also, styles make fights, so pay attention to how they do on the feet versus on the ground. Those are totally different ball games, and that's usually what defines an MMA fight.
4: All right, Reed. Uh, I, I'm not as great over 35 either you know, for, for what's work. Reed Kuhn at Fightnomics. You can find the book uh, as well, and as well as his work at ESPN. We appreciate the time. Reed, and we'll be back here momentarily with more on v the sports betting network.